This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello, and welcome to Bodies of Horror, the podcast where we look at all of our favorite horror films from the classic, the camp, to the cringe, through the lens of disability. My name is Nicole, I am your host, and I am thrilled to have you here. So, what is on the examination table for this episode? Well, if you go back a couple of episodes where I spoke about Access Horror, the film fest centered around talking about disability, disability representation in horror with events host, director, founder, Ariel Baska, you may recall that I mentioned I may do a follow-up episode to talk about my experiences with the fest, and that is what I am here to do. So I think this will probably be a episode on the shorter side but I did want to primarily talk about just some of the standouts. Uh, you know, what panels stood out to me? Uh, talk a very little bit about the films and you know, just kind of mention overall thoughts and feelings. So I guess to start, I want to start with my overall thoughts and feelings. And I really, really loved the fest overall. Um, so to jump back just for a sec, the Access Horror took place July 8th and 9th. So I'm recording this at the tail end of July. So, uh, it was over a weekend and it was a pretty packed schedule. And it was a mix of virtual and live, or not virtual, of uh, pre-recorded and live panels. And uh, they also had three different blocks of short films. And so, very kind of packed weekend. And so, the you joined via... Zoom, I think, is how all of the panels operated. And then you could go in and watch the blocks of films, um, you know, kind of whenever. Uh, but things kicked off at 9 a.m. Eastern Time for me um, on uh, Saturday, July 8th. And one of the cool things is that if there were things that you didn't get around to watching, um, you know, things would be available afterwards for a period of time. And I think that has been now extended to July 30th. Um, so if you had a pass and there were things, a panel or maybe a block of films that you could go in, um, you know, still afterwards and watch up until the 30th. Now, one of the things I think think, and I'm not for sure with the panels, but I know for the films, is that 
you get basically a 72 hour window once you kind of hit start on something. So that's something to keep in mind. <laughs> so if you're just kind of like hopping around and, um, you know, want to come back to something, you only have 72 hours to do it once you hit that start. Um, so, uh, no, that, that is something to kind of keep in mind. But, um, and like I said, I'm not for sure with the panels, but I think the panels probably were that way as well. But you joined the panels uh, over Zoom. So you would have a Zoom link and you would go in. For the live ones, you could submit questions live, just like any kind of Zoom meeting um, where, no, I take that back. I think the pre-recorded ones were just um, recorded and you didn't have to go through Zoom which makes sense. Um, but the format of everything worked really well. Um, instructions were clear. Uh, I've actually found it really nice because there were a couple of times during the weekend where I wanted to go for a walk or uh, do something where I needed to step away from the computer, but I could pull something up on my phone. So I would try to kind of schedule things. So if I wanted to do something that was pre-recorded, or maybe go into a block of the shorts, um, I could pull it up on my phone and watch or listen, and it worked incredibly well. I didn't have any kind of uh, technological issues doing that. I was able to ask uh, a couple of questions during the panels, and um, Everything was really easy, ran very smoothly, stuff started seamlessly on time, um, no hiccups. Um, now I say that being someone who didn't necessarily need, um, you know, any kind of captioning, anything like that. Um, and so I don't know if there were any issues um, with any of that. Uh, I know that audio descriptions were also um, added in for the shorts. So, um, not for sure for folks participating kind of at time, how all of that ran smoothly for them, but it seemed to run smoothly for me. Um, yeah, so really, really kind of appreciated the ease of that. No issues. I participated with a couple of virtual fests and there's always like some, I always have some issue at some point with, with stuff, but this, this was pretty, pretty easy. Um, now I want to kind of talk through the panels and I'm just going to give a brief overview of what the panels were starting from, uh, the top. So you have, for the first day, um, you kind of had like an overall intro, which was great, talking about disability representation in film and the history of horror and really the history of disability representation in horror. And panelists uh, spoke, um, this was one of the standouts for me as a kickoff because I thought it was a really great way to kind of set a specific tone for the event and the panelists were really great and provided um, 
I think some really great insights into the meaningfulness of representation, disability representation in horror. And all the panels had a really wonderful mix of panelists and moderators. And you had a mix of folks that were creatives in the space, uh, writers, filmmakers, etc. Um, you had folks that were kind of more industry, um, you know, horror film industry uh, folks who kind of operated on a business side. You had uh, disability advocates, uh, really an impressive gamut of folks that um, I think really brought a richness to the panels. So I said we started off with the intro in History of Horror. Then we had intersectional identities um, in film. And I thought that this was an interesting panel because intersectionality, I think, is always really important and something that is not always easy to get our arms wrapped around when talking about disability representation. It's one of the struggles that I've had here on on the pod to talk about the disability experience and the representation through the perspective of kind of coexisting identities that aren't mine. And that has been somewhat of a struggle to find those films, but I am excited to say that there are, um, I think, some films coming up that are really opening that door. So I'm excited to be talking about them. But uh, let's get back to the kind of the panel schedule. We had mental health and horror. And one of the panelists there was Jen, um, who is on White Ladies in Crisis and the girls on the boys, so a fellow anatomy of a screamer there, and that was really wonderful. Um, there was a panel on festival programming and critical perspectives and gatekeeping in horror, and that was all the first day. So I talked a little bit about the intro and history of horror, which was a standout for me on that first day, um, and the intersectional identities on film. But I want to talk about the mental health and horror because one of the things that I have been fairly staunch about here on the pod is that, um, you know, there's obviously when talking about disability, mental health issues, mental illness do fall under that category. And we have talked about films that, you know, do explore um, mental health and mental illness in that I think in that very specific lens of disability. So mental health and mental illness have certainly been discussed here, but I've always wanted to tread lightly just because I don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable kind of putting myself out there as a definitive voice and talking about that particular experience. I've shared a little bit about 
my own experiences with depression and anxiety. But again, just, you know, there are other people talking about it, especially from the horror film uh, perspective and, and doing wonderful work in that. And I've just wanted to not um, go into that territory. Um, and so it was nice to have a panel that I think did a wonderful job at bringing voices together to talk about why mental health and discussion of mental health and how it's treated in media and in particular horror is really relevant to talking about it within underneath the umbrella of disability and uh, I, I it was good in in kind of a reassuring um, panel because I think a lot of the bits and pieces that were hit on were like, yeah, I, I definitely, you then had the festival cram, uh, programming and critical perspectives. And I really loved the conversations around just making these kinds of experiences accessible and setting up, um, you know, fest to be accessible, inclusive, and why that is really important. And I think it was a nice little way to underscore the importance of access horror. And then the gatekeeping in horror panel, I thought was uh, an interesting topic. Gatekeeping is something that happens in all communities. And so you're kind of dealing with a duality here of gatekeeping, I think, both within the whore community, which, you know, is an issue in and of itself, and then also gatekeeping within the disability community and people kind of claiming, um, you know, to be the voice or to uh, keep other people out Um of conversations, keep them away from having a seat at the table when talking about disability in horror, disability representation in horror. So um, I think it's something that is important and something that needs to be an ongoing conversation because it's not something that, uh, it's not something that is going to, to necessarily go away. And I think it's always going to be part of these communities. There's always going to be people who want to gatekeep. And I think the reasons, the strategies, um, and all of that do kind of shift and change with time. So it's important to have these conversations ongoing so that we can address those issues. And then we get into the second day. And the uh, panel started off with horror and the art of writing. I really loved this panel um, because I love that there was a focus on how we are telling the stories and why the stories around disability are really important and integral to the horror genre. And it was, I think, just a really robust conversation about 
how we can continue to put our stories out there in unique ways and in collaborative ways and why that's also important. You know, working with others, particularly with disabilities, to continue to build these stories and get them out there. So it was a really great panel. Um, Loved that one. We get into speculative stories to change the world. And it was also another kind of storytelling and how we're framing these stories. I think both of these panels go nicely together because one of the things I've mentioned in talking about disability representation is that it's not just the stories themselves, but who is telling the stories, how these stories are being told. And I think that having a mix of, uh, you know, like I said, a mix of panels coming from different places and, you know, being oftentimes creatives in the space, writing these stories, telling these stories. There were a number of filmmakers that were part of the panels, I think is, uh, I, I thought was such a, a great, I think, lens to put on the storytelling aspect. So um, I felt like both of of these panels went really well together in just emphasizing the importance of why disability stories matter and representation matters. So um, then I want to get on to institutions and advocacy. And I, this was a, a panel that really honed in on, I guess, looking at films as part of advocacy, as this being a, a piece of change how a film can change minds. And there was some conversation, which I really loved at the beginning of the panel talking about, well, what examples can we think of to films that have made a huge impact in creating change? And, and obviously thinking about documentaries um, because there were some uh, documentary uh, filmmakers uh, <laughs> on the panel and they talked a little bit about how that format was really a great catalyst for you know being kind of agents of change there and uh, also connected it to the horror genre as well and how horror has a very uh, unique way of reflecting society and really wanting to tell stories and focus on ideas that are relevant, pertinent, and speak to things that bubble under the surface in our society and in our world and holds kind of a mirror to some of those things. And so it was just a really interesting conversation. The next panel was the covid on film and COVID in communities. And I really loved uh, this panel because you had two filmmakers, 
the filmmakers of The Harbinger and uh, Something in the Earth, who talked about their films uh, as it relates to kind of discussing COVID, talked about the importance of these stories in processing, you know, what has been, I think, a traumatic event for the world, a global pandemic. And the, I think, why folks may also be, there's just an interesting conversation about why folks may be not enthusiastic or receptive to stories about the pandemic. People who say, well, now is not the time. We don't want to talk about it. We just want to ignore that it happened. And while that's understandable, I think there's some really great conversation with these panelists talking about why it is important to talk about this. Um, One thing I wish that there could have been a little bit more dialogue on is why why COVID in film in telling, you know, talking about experiences of the pandemic, referencing that is important, particularly to the disability community. Why it's important to share that perspective and that experience, because I think that kind of gets lost um, in some of the storytelling and that wasn't necessarily hit on but I think that that would have been something that would I I would have liked to have had a little bit more conversation on I did like that they kind of ended the panel and talking about you know what what are things that have been established in terms of things on film set safety uh, precautions, protocols that have been put in place that just make sense now and going forward. And just simple things like, uh, you know, the communal candy bowl, um, not great. You know, the bowl of M&Ms that everyone dips their hands into, not great. Also, everyone should just be pretty diligent about washing their hands because that's just a hygiene thing and good. Um, so I, I thought that there was uh, some, some really interesting things discussed and, and I really did enjoy that panel. Um, the restructuring film production, I liked this panel. I think, especially if you are a filmmaker, I think just the conversation around making your sets um, and the whole kind of filmmaking process accessible. What does that look like? Why is this important? I thought great conversation there and definitely, um, loved the perspective of people who had that experience. And it just, I don't know. It, it was one of those kind of nuts and bolts type conversation that really makes you want to talk more about it. And, you know, if you're thinking or have ideas of like, I want to, to maybe get into filmmaking and I want to do something along those lines, I want to tell a story in this way, 
Um, I find that these types of panels that really talk about, um, you know, ways that we've become accessible and inclusive, still the remaining challenges of that kind of inspiring and things that are great to keep filed away. Um, then we ended with the panels on horror as an agent of change. So this, I think, also goes really um, hand in hand with the institutions and advocacy panel, because I think there was an undercurrent of, okay, so we're making these pieces of art. We're putting our films and or we're writing these stories um, that talk about disability, disability representation, that focus in on a disability experience. But why? And then what? Like, what, what do we do after that? And how do we, as a horror community, leverage this to make change? And so I really loved uh, the conversation around that. And uh, Phil Noble Jr., who uh, is the editor-in-chief of Fangoria, was part of the panel. And I really appreciated what he had to say as someone without a disability talking about his experience of being kind of called out on something that he had written. He talked about how Ariel had reached out to him and they had had a back and forth and he shared why it was really important to listen and use that as a, as a place to learn and do something different. And I, I really, uh, found the panel just really engaging in that way because it's easy to talk about all of these different topics but to kind of close things out um you know for that second day to really have I think in our minds what next where do we take all of these um amazing conversations and and do something with them what is the action what is the call to action and so I, I really liked kind of that ending note. So those are just some of my thoughts on the panel. It has been some time since I have watched some of them. I went back and watched a couple in the last uh, week as they've been available um, because I think there was one that I missed initially. So, um, Again, speaking to the speaking to the value of being able to have them um, for a period of time, uh, just really being helpful in that regard. But now I want to talk just very briefly about the films because I did watch these uh, the first weekend, and because you only have those seventy two hours, it has been a long time since I have gone back and watched. Um, watch them, but there were a few that stood out to me, and I just want to give them kind of a name here. Um, American Bodies uh, was one of the blocks. 
um, was in one of the blocks of the shorts. I think it was the Fantastic Fest. Um, and I uh, really enjoyed that short. And the synopsis is, it's a normal day on the assembly line at American Bodies Manufacturing Plant in China until an unexpected uh, delivery forces the workers to make a difficult choice. And I, another film in this block that I really liked was Dawn of the Deaf. And the synopsis on that one is on the eve of a catastrophic event, which will wipe out the hearing population. We follow four deaf characters as they go about their daily lives. It's a really interesting one. And, um, you know, definitely one that had me thinking that maybe there is an episode of the pod focusing on shorts. I have uh, gone to uh, be one of the co-hosts over at the Alter Tapes, and we look at short films over there. And so it's really got me in kind of that vibe of there's a lot of great shorts out there that are talking about disability. So um, maybe there's going to be an episode in the future around that, and I think that would be really cool. But those were kind of the standouts uh, for me in that uh, block. Um, but I really liked all of the shorts and thought that all of the shorts were really um, kind of robust in what they wanted to kind of talk about and how they were discussing, um, you know, kind of various aspects of disability. From the final girls' Uh, Berlin film block, I want to mention Seafoam. And the synopsis to this one is, Billy tumbles down the rabbit hole after visiting her mother at a psychiatric ward and recognizing an orderly who works there. Suddenly, he is everywhere. Billy can't escape. The fish, the cowboy, her mother, what is real? In this disorienting psychological thriller, Billy wrestles with a plague of nightmarish visions and dizzying descent into insanity. Is Billy ill, like her mother, or is she prey? And I think that what I what I liked about this film was the idea of, you know, and we've talked about this with mental illness, but also I think just disability in general, the hereditary nature of this, the fear of passing along or... Uh, you know, having something that has been kind of passed down through a family line and, and how that impacts us and, and the fears associated. And I felt that this film kind of did a beautiful job at uh, really showcasing that particular, I think, experience and fear. The other film I want to talk about is control. Synopsis for this one is, in this dark and moving comedy, a depressed woman with OCD contemplates taking her own life if she can just get everything in order first. And we do mean everything. Soon her suicide note becomes a suicide binder. This was a rough one. Um, and it says it's a comedy and there's definitely comedic bits to it, but it really is kind of a harrowing film. Um, you follow a woman who is basically um, 
planning a suicide and having OCD, having to go through and make sure everything is in order, all paperwork, instructions, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, I, I think that it was just, uh, the way that it was shot, um, kind of the growing, um, tensions and, uh, raised energy as this woman is kind of, okay, there's one more thing I need to, to go back to. I need to add in this. What about this? Um, it's a, a really interesting one. Um, and I, I was glad to see that there were films that really honed in on, you know, different aspects of mental health, mental illness. So then going over to the Superfest film block, um, I want to talk about Don't Come In Yet. Uh, paraplegic Jake and his best friend June plan to have sex, but an overbearing dad, a rather large spider, and an aging football superstar present some minor complications. I thought this was quite fun, and uh, any film that kind of really gets at, I think, kind of the day-to-day -day human lives of folks with disabilities and sex being a part of that, I I love. So this would definitely be one that I would, you know, want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about our first priority. And yes, Ariel had talked a little bit about this film's uh, directed by Ariel Vasca, and she had been on uh, a while ago to, I think, share a little bit more specifically about this film before she came on to talk about the fest. And so the synopsis to this, a young girl, Hannah, walks into a doctor's office with a long and strange list of symptoms. The nurse is sympathetic, and so is her doctor at first. But when the doctor tries to tell her it's all in her head. Things turn dark and strange. And this, I think, is such an amazing film from the perspective of having a rare disease. Also highlighting medical gaslighting and some of the kind of horrors of dealing with medical teams. We rely on them for our well-being, but it's not an easy or always uh, comfortable uh, kind of collaboration there. So uh, love our first priority. Um, so yeah, that there again, all the panels, all the films are were wonderful. This makes me very excited for what the future holds for access horror. Um, and it was just a really amazing experience. A huge, uh, a huge congrats to uh, Ariel and her team for putting together, I think, a wonderful fest. And I cannot wait uh, to attend the next one. And so um, with all of that said, a huge thank you for listening. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I had an opportunity to participate 
and watching all these panels, watching the shorts. Um, it was a really great experience and I wanted to just kind of share some things. So thank you for listening. Thank you, as always, to Anatomy of a Scream for being the home and the heart of Bodies of Horror. And if you want to reach out, say hello. Talk about your experiences. Uh, if you checked out Access Horror, I did talk to um, a friend uh, who we were kind of watching things virtually together and would check in with each other every now and then and be like, oh, did you see this? Did you check out this panel? Did you watch this film? And one of the things she shared with me was, you know, with the short films, so many of them didn't have dialogue. And she, she had, you know, some feedback on that. And I thought that was really interesting. So I love having conversations with folks that, you know, may have uh, also participated and wanted to share what they, um, you know, what their experience was like. Um, I think that's always fun. So you can reach out to me. Um, as always, there's the email bodies of horror at gmail.com. I'm still currently on Twitter, uh, at bodies horror. So reach out and say hello and until next time. Scream Pod Squad.